Good. Okay, Frank, I got an honest question for you. If you're somewhere and you truly see Bigfoot and you really think it's Bigfoot, would you really kill it or leave the legend live? Hell no, I'm whacking that guy wholesale, man. I'm killing it, I'm cutting his head off, and I'm becoming the most, the world's most successful Bigfoot hunter. You're, you're going to be famous if you kill Bigfoot. Having a picture or having him alive, well, somebody will just say you're hoaxing him. You know what I mean? So you got to bring the blood home. So you want the head hanging I got, on the wall. I, I want the head on the wall, man. I got to have Bigfoot's head on my wall. Otherwise, it's just... Be, be forever known as Bigfoot Frank. Yes. Because think about it. The smallest dude out there killing Bigfoot, how huge would that be? That's like gigantic, man. So I definitely got to have a Bigfoot trophy on my wall. And so if I'm out there and I have a rifle in my hand and I see Bigfoot, he's going down. And I don't care if I got to dump mags into him. He's going down. The, the bitches, though, I got to look around to make sure. Because what happens if you whack Bigfoot? Say you're 300 yards away. You see him cruising across, and I take him on the run. He's like, he's cutting across right in front of us now. I jump out, grab my AI, boom. I whack him, take him down. Then I run up there, and he's like just some dirty homeless guy. Now you got to be able to bury him and hide him so nobody knows you whack some homeless guy. But... If he's like anything Cro-Magnon, you know, and doesn't like look 100% human, he's got to go down. He's got to die. So the, the takeaway here is if you go Bigfoot hunting, bring a shovel. Yes. Bring a shovel just in case. That's the takeaway. <laughs> so welcome to the Everyday Sniper. You got Frank at Sniper's Hide here. Jack, Jack Master from Sniper's Hide. Jack Master. Ted. Ted's in the class. We got the uh, Mile High Precision Rifle class going on. And um, if you ever looked at any of the threads on Sniper's Hide, the wind stuff, the weaponized math, and there's a, there's a poster who puts these charts that are through the roof, like really good hard copy charts. That's Ted. That's Jack Master. He has the wind rows with the corrected offset. So you did the cosine for the wind speed. Right. And so you did that. And, and you're an engineer by trade, right? And yep. so you're working in AutoCAD and all that stuff. So he's making really good things, and it's. How do you think it's been working this weekend? Because we've had the win. Uh, when we went to six seventy-five and dialed on your wind chimes, mm-hmm. first round impact dead center on the white. On the white, totally on it. it. Using the wind chart, it's taking the art out of it and using a little more science. Mm-hmm. And now tell everybody what the wind speeds were we were shooting in. Uh, that was seventeen mile an hour winds yesterday. Seventeen. So here's a guy got a first round hit on a four inch plate at 675 using this math that we've been talking about in all these podcasts and nailing it. And we're just, and right, we were just going through this. We weren't doing anything yep. different than what we talk about. Yep, wind was coming from about 1.30 or two o'clock, so you had to change it from a 17 mile an hour in your face to what your true 90 degree wind is. Right. And then using the mile per hour math, it makes it real simple. You, you no longer have to do what's three quarters of 17. Because you look at the chart. And it was 14 miles an hour. And it was 14 miles an hour. Right. So he was doping it for 14 miles an hour with a 17 red, like dead on reading it was 17. His cosine, his corrected angle made it a 14 mile an hour wind. Then he did the uh, the BC method where we're just doing the increments we talked about. And boom, he's dead on it. So that that worked out really well. But um, you're, we're on the third day of the class. We're at lunch break and everything. So uh, we wanted to talk about this stuff. Give us your, you talk now and give us the wrap up. Everything from day one to now. Um, yeah, day one was class stuff and that was all good. I learned a few things in there. Um, I think a lot of guys learned a lot of things there going from the 
from the fundamental E value. E value because well, there's different levels back. of. Yeah. I I look at Ted as being a little bit more experienced shooter. He understands the math behind it. He has he's pre done all this work. If you look at his data book. It's it's beautiful, man. It's got all these charts and graphs in it. He's looking at this stuff, and again, it's you know precision and accuracy. That precision is coming from the fundamentals of marksmanship. The accuracy is your ability to interpret data, and Ted's interpretation of data is stellar. So, yeah. So go ahead. So we we started now with shooting probably one inch groups at the beginning of the class. Yeah, the right dots are one inch dots. Yeah, we were using. shooting about one inch groups, and at the end of the second day when we re-zeroed, I had a half inch group. Yep. So my groups got smaller with doing better fundamentals and Frank showed me where to fix those. I've also got the farthest I've ever shot has been here, 1425 today. Yep, did well and, on that. And uh, about a second round impact yeah, I was going to say second round, yep. right? You were first or yep. second round. Second round impact and we got um, 10 to 12 mile an hour winds at 2 to 3 o'clock again. And, and using my chart, I was able to get real close on wind calls Yeah. and, and make that work. So. I mean, the, the stuff works. You, you, you have to understand it. And it's not a lot of thinking involved with what we're talking about. But if, if you do your homework and if you put this information, you know, and, and I think crunching the numbers manually like you're doing helps you to remember it. Yeah. I try to run everything without a computer. Right. I run on a computer. I put it on a dope chart. And that's what I'm looking at on the line hard copy hard copy all hard copy yep so go ahead yep. with the class some and more i was really surprised by the group dynamics here you know there's some young guys there's some old guys um everybody at really different ability levels that in it this all this class together. has a big swing yeah a big swing of experience level and so there's there's a couple people who who are you know pre-day one people there's a couple people who are day one people and then we got about three or four guys um like ted uh, Daniel and his brother uh, mm -hmm. next to you who have a little bit more rich has the experience and now it's kind of like just boiling that information down and, and being a little more efficient a little bit better with the fundamentals but we do have a weird dynamic of people where there's big swings of experience in this class yep yeah you know so it makes it interesting yep um, age and ability was was surprising to me yeah and you saw all of it young to old and yeah we and have a, a girl, experience. girl in the class doing well yep. um out shooting her boyfriend or yeah, husband or yeah, whatever yeah, is, i don't yeah. know their dynamic is <laughs> marriage wise but yeah she's out shooting them um which women do better because they listen they don't have the bad habits and stuff like that and, and so that works out really good um what else we got going on here well, we, um we had we had a really good win class Day two, we came out in the morning and we had that 17, 18 yep. mile an hour. It was wind. cranking. It was high wind advisories. It was actually, I expected to come out to 30 mile an hour winds because that's what my app was saying the airport was reading. And coming out here, it was all of 30. And then when we came over this last crust of hill, it was down to about the 15 to 18 mile an hour. So I was pleasantly surprised with that. So we rolled sort of right into wind. Um, just to get guys going and, and to make sure that they had that before we went too far doping everybody out. And having that wind, we had enough wind just in the morning to do really good wind lessons and really figure it out. So the, the weather here worked out perfectly for all of that. Yeah, I mean, the rest of it's been gorgeous, you know, 65-degree days, right yep. and sunny. So, yep. you know, that part of it. And now we're kind of... I hesitate to talk about this, but I guess we got it. Is this software? What the frig is going on? There was an update done with software. What is going on with the software that we can't get anything to work today? 
or over the last two days. Yeah, the last two so days. So you guys been crunching numbers. So go into yeah. um, you and Rich and, and what you're looking at. The hard data is working out fine, but when we're putting it into our computers, it's just the curves are just weird, man. And between the last class we did two weeks ago in this class, like Hornaday Fordoff had an update and they've changed some things around. They added some switches and buttons, but we're having a really tough time getting stuff to line up a- across the board. Right. We're getting, we're getting, we're truing at 600, finding out what our drop is at 600 and then right. changing our muddle, muzzle velocity to fix that. And that works well. Then we went and got dope at 1,000 and started changing form factor to get there, but then it pushes 600 way off the number. Right. And we can't get that arc to line up so that everything inside 600 works and out to 1,000 works. So there was there was something different in there. And then Hornaday, if you're just using the front face of that, always includes spin drift. It yep. ne- never comes out. And it always includes aerodynamic jump. It never comes out. And the out. wind was a mile an hour more for everybody when yep. they tried to line the wind up using the app to get their mile per hour gun. Everybody's wind was off by a minimum of a mile an hour more. So guys with six fives were saying, oh, I have a seven mile an hour gun. It's like, no, you got a six mile an hour gun up here. But and so that was annoying that we used to be able to put the wind to like 90 or 270 rather. If the wind was on 90, it usually had all that stuff. And if we put it in in 270, it didn't show up. But there is a page in Hornaday now that's showing all the no, right. no stuff values, but you got a menu into them. You can't do it in the HUD. Right. So the bottom right hand corner, there's a there's a there's a, a chart you can push there, and that'll bring up like a dope chart, but it gives you your true drop with no aerodynamic jump and nothing else. No flourishes. Else. And it gives you your true wind with no Coriolis or spin drift or any of those things involved with it. And if you go in and use those numbers, then you can get things to line up a bit better and use those as your true numbers. But then you're always having to go to that sub menu to yeah. get it to work really well. And now you did a hack. So what right. was your hack? So, so I hacked it and, and I decided to change the app instead of saying I'm zeroed at 100 yards. I used the um, zero angle, went in and told it my zero was 600 yards and gave it 85 inches a drop for my 3.3 mils. Crazy. So that way, the Hornady app always reads my 600 as being 3.3 mils, and it will not change it because they're reading at zero. Right. Then I took my 1,000 yards and changed my form factor until I got 1,000 yards to line up, and it lined up. And I was really surprised when I went back to look at the whole chart. When I got back to zero, it said one-tenth low or something. So I know at 100 yards, I, it came right back to where it should yep, be. Yep, yep. So that's how I hacked it, and I got it to change the arc to where I needed it. And then this afternoon, we doped out to 1425, and surprisingly, at most, I was two-tenths off from anything. Yeah, yeah. So that worked all the way out. So, But it was weird because, I mean, we had, like, the last class Mike and I did out here, we had such great luck. We had no drama, no nothing. We basically 600 at everybody. We put that in. Then we, like, 800 and 1,000. We tweaked the form factor. And everybody was good for the weekend. We did that yesterday for everybody, and nothing continued to work. And it was like, what did they do? So I don't know. And then, like, the guys using Strelock working out great. No drama, no nothing. And so it was an update that Hornaday did on the on the phone app that's just not playing well with what we're looking at. And I went back to this afternoon because of this. I said, well, wait a minute. We had the wind. We had all the you know that stuff. Let's double check because the wind's down today. Let's double check our 800 drop on the truing bar. 
And other than Michelle, and I think she has a scope issue and a, and a little bit different, everybody else was on at 800. We, we, we had to move somebody like a tenth or two, but nothing more than a tenth up or down. So our 800-yard dope is good, but yet we still can't get it to line up right with the Hornaday software since this last update. Weird. Yep. So what else you got on your list? You wrote all kinds of stuff down. Yeah. Um, the mile-per-hour gun method. I've really been using that a lot like you've been teaching us, Frank, and that's worked out really well. And and with the, the wind chart that I did, it makes it so simple because you, you do no math other than multiplying times one, times two, times three right. of your gun mile per hour. It, it, what, you know? what, what wind bracket are you in? And when we say that, so if you have a six mile an hour gun, that's your first bracket. If you have a 12 mile an hour wind, that's your second bracket. So you're just multiplying it. So, okay, so 0. 0.6 at 600 yards with a 12 mile an hour wind, I'd hold 1.2 mil. And so we were at 14, 16, 18 miles an hour. We're in the third bracket. And so that basically you're just multiplying it by three. And that's what everybody's been using. Right. And then with the offset, you're using your corrected cosine right. to but, fix it. And even shooting out here, sometimes we would shoot and we'd have a, a 130 wind. And I'd, you know, 15 mile an hour wind, 130 wind, you had to you had to dope for 11 mile an hour on your on your gun. But then we'd turn a little further left and now you're shooting two o'clock wind and you can dope for 13 miles an hour instead of 11. And this chart quickly gets you there. And yes. you know you gotta add a little more and you understand mm -hmm. a, a better idea of how much more. We're gonna make this charts available so you could download them on Sniper's Hide because they're really kick ass. And on top of that, without even knowing it, now let's go into the weaponized math, the Mark Taylor stuff. So Mark's tri-dope we've talked about and we talked about the offsets and the different things. What Ted did was made kind of like a Christmas tree chart that goes out from 300 yards to your thousand and he has all kinds of variation plus or minuses. So what we were able to do is go to uh, uh, somebody and say, okay, what was your true dope for 600? And somebody will say 3.3. So then we go, okay, your 700 needs to be 4.2. And doing that without any math, no calculator. No. I'm just looking at it. it's on the chart. I'm reading it. I'm not calculating. I'm reading. And it's pre-built on the chart. So you, we got everything from 2.4 all the way down to 6.6 .6 in his 600-yard line. You know? So it's, it, it's giving you such a huge swing because of caliber. And yet I can just easily and quickly go over and just say, all I got to do is say, hey, man, what was your 500-yard drop? And the guy says, oh, my 500-yard was a... Uh, 2.8 and it's like okay 500 yard true was 2.8 so that means your 600 yard try is 4.0 right and and boom right there then you try it you try it you might end up at 4.2 right then you can go to your actual so 4.2 is my true so that means my seven try is 5.4 right and it's always correcting so you're truing it and it's one hard copy chart and works fantastic like this is going to become probably the instructor's tool of choice for having classes with uh, different um, calibers. calibers, students, things like that. And then on the back, you have a mills versus MOA conversion. So you have all the dope and mills going all the way out to, God, 71 over here. Or mm -hmm. tw uh, 20 mills, 20.9 would be your 70.1 MOA. So really quickly, you can say, okay, guys, holding 24.2, uh, uh, we'll go 24.4, 24.4 of MOA, that's 10.1 mils, you know? So you're, right. you're just going right into this. So one side of the chart is Mark's weaponized math. 
The other side of the chart is a conversion because we have both MOA and um, you know mill shooters. So without having to do the swag in my head, we can just look at these numbers and you're there. In, in the at the top of that chart, there's a graphic mills to MOAs, so it's really quick to look at. Add you want to add three three tenths in mills. Right. Three tenths in mills is three quarter minute or, or what is yep. it? One so minute. So point one know? two three. Right. And it's one minute. It's a real quick look. So if you're shooting with someone that's in MOAs and you're in mills, you can real quickly exchange mills to MOAs yeah. and it's it looks it's, like a ruler. So basically, yep. it's a ruler with with MOA on the bottom, mills on the top. And then you're just basically running and saying, well, okay, I'm going to call this wind at 1.5. So he needs to hold five and a quarter MOA. Yeah, and, th and this came, this chart came from Mike complaining about it one time. Yes. Man, I need a way to be able to do this real quick without doing head math. So that's what I drew up and I sent it to him and, and he's enjoyed uh, it. Us so. just talking about it in the podcast. And so Ted's been going through and building these things. Like I said, with an engineering background and his data book really is a standard of what you should see. It's, it's, it's the... It's the platinum of prior proper planning prevents piss poor performance. And his his performance is showing in the prep work that he did in the form of these ch charts and graphs he's running. My brain's a little square. It makes me do these things. Well, the engineering you, man. <laughs> I mean, that's that's good stuff. Yep. So what else you got going yep. on over there? Weaponized math. Oh, yep. tripod. Dude, people, everybody wants to know about tripods. I saw a really nice one this weekend. Yeah, so everybody's been asking about the tripod stuff, and and, and let's we're not going to mention any names, but we're going <laughs> to talk tripods. So um, I I saw there was prototypes were made, and I'd said I saw stuff, I saw pictures. Well, I got a text this week, and they said, "Hey, we got a working prototype." I said, "Great, I got a precision rifle class this weekend. Come out to Fort Morgan. Cool, I'll come out to Fort Morgan." So yesterday at lunch, uh, right after one o'clock, um, Graham came out and he brought two working prototypes. One was a, a more of a composite. The other one featured a stainless steel. Uh, uh, legs are carbon fiber. I'm talking the ball head part. So there was, there was your cast kind of composite metal that they use, more magnesium-ish, I think it is. Mm -hmm. uh, a magnesium type ball head that they were working with. And then they wanted to look at a stainless steel variant for, you know, recoil management, for weight, and for, uh, actually it was a grip thing to hold up the rifles while maintaining a tension. Yeah. And then he has the single hand that we talked about. I mean, because if you think about the really right stuff, one of the things I like the most about the really right stuff is the one-handed operation. Once that lever's out and I'm working that lever, then I can tighten it, loosen it. I can find a happy middle ground and I can drive that rifle on an Anvil 30 ball head, you know, with that single hand. So these guys created a, a shooting tripod with a single hand sort of motorcycle design, right? So you yep. kind of got a, a, a handlebar motorcycle grip that you're tensioning, you know, up and down, you know, away from you loosening it, bring it back, you're tightening it. And the best part was if you brought it halfway back, it held the rifle real nice where you could still get on a target and, and move, move it, it without having to loosen it again. And shoot, and it stayed on target. Yep. Because they, they basically did an integrated system. Oh, it's not two pieces. You know what I mean? You can't put somebody else's ball head on this. It's all built in, and, and he's taken back some really great feedback. He's going to modify it. Uh, we shot off of it. I did the free recoil, which freaked them out. 
Um, you know, his eyes got big when he saw me free recoil the thing because that was one of the things I wanted to check. The lake system I knew is fantastic. It's leveling base style. It matched up pretty similar to my um, my really right stuff, uh, 33 legs with the leveling base on it. And so I had that out here as well. And we compared size, weight, very similar. And so put my AI on it, put it out on the target, line it up, free recoil, just put my hand over, shoot it, bing, hit, great. Now let's do multiple targets. Let's see how it stays on target and let's shoot some things up with it. And you shot it. I mean, what do you think? Yeah. It, it, there, was, there was ergonomics to it that were different than any other tripod with that with that bicycle grip up there and being able to hang on to that, you're hanging on to the tripod, you're hanging on to the rifle, you've got it all put together, you get pressure into the shoulder real easy with it. There was ergonomics there that worked really, really well. Yep. And it was reversible. So if you're lefty, we kind of looked at that, what our lefty's going to do, and mm -hmm. you can reverse it real easy for a lefty, and it worked just as well for them too. So stainless steel parts, that was a huge thing for me, you know, having something you know you, you can't beat up or, right. or get rid of. On the ball part with the stainless, yeah. we're going to change the stem a little bit because like a really right stuff has about 45 degrees of movement in the, uh, you know, up down kind of deal. It's, it's still a ball, um, 45 degrees. And uh, this one had 70 degrees and the stem was a little taller than I would want. So I was basically um, going to uh, it's, open it. Uh, so Mike's coming and Mike's over here and he's not he's not on the podcast. We'll have to get Mike in. Mike, you there? Say yell in, man. Yo, what up, everyone? He's not ghosting us right now, Mike. They'll think ghosting. I swear to God, I'm I'm still alive and I exist. <laughs> he's Bigfoot. <laughs> so, I got the shovel. Yeah, we got the shovel. <laughs> but um. So he had 70 degrees of movement and he was going for that. He has a hundred pound rating in 70 degrees of movement. So that brought the stem and in, in, in to me, it added a little extra kind of flex in the stem. And so I told him, I'm like, knock that stem down, cut it down as close as you can get. And he's like, well, I'll lose a little bit of range of motion. I said, we don't care. I mean, if you think about a leveling base we shoot off of has about 15 degrees of movement. The Anvil 30's got 45, so if he takes that 70 degrees down to 45 or 50, we're still in the ballpark. And that alone will tighten up the um, the feeling on the rifle being above the ball. And we're able now, we're going to be able to slam that down a little bit lower. And again, this is just an option. We're not looking to replace really right stuff. No, no way, I'm not talking that. But this is going to be a lower cost option. However, if we can get that lower cost option in an effective, good system, that's not a Leofoto, Japanese, Chinese knockoff. You know, it's still a U.S. product. It's carbon fiber legs. It's purpose built for shooting. And it's going to be about half the price of a really right stuff. That's what we're looking for. You know, for the guys that still want really right, nah, we're not trying to replace it at all. We're just trying to give people another option. And, and, and the, 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 the fellow doing the, the design for this, we gave him some suggestions and ideas how to change a couple things, this and that, and ticky-tack things just for ease we of use. We in a way. Yeah, we were. And, and he was right on board with it. Yo, I can do this and that'll work. I can do this and that'll work. Um, he had some really good ideas. He and, was even going to go it, yeah, over and above. above and beyond. And, and, and um, some of the stuff that he's putting into it that other tripod heads might not like the out-of-spec rails. He found a way to make 
his head work for out of spec rail yep. so your rifle won't come off of that. He found a way to open and close that that uh, that locking mechanism. You know, we, he kind of had a pointy sharp thing there to and I said, Yeah, you didn't like is, it, right, right? This is tough. My finger gets jammed in here and he had like two options right away. I could do this or I could do this. And the one he came up with was incredible. Which, yeah, one finger designed to to take your rifle off. It's reversible for left hand, right hand again. It has a, a, a tightening and tensioning screw on the ARCA rail uh, itself, the interface. So if we see rails that are not all in the same spec because somebody's using an ARCA spec, somebody's using a really right stuff dovetail spec, you can tension it and tighten it in without kind of what we do today where you have to push the screw in and turn the nut on it and then kind of trial and error it. This way you can drop it in and just screw it tight and then lock it down and you're done. And so it's it's a little bit more intuitive from that standpoint, but he pre-thought of that. You know what I mean? He he already put that in place. And and again, left hand, right hand, uh, and then, you know, there was a couple things like I said, that where we look at the guys, they're on a clock, big gorilla guys, you know, they might go hard and they're going to turn things till they stop. Okay? Well, we need to stop. We need to know where we are when it stops and when it goes, and so he's gonna fix that. He was looking at gearing it, and I'm like, no, keep the keep the price down, keep the weight down. Keep it simple. Keep it simple, don't, you know, cause he can get really, he can get really wonky with it. And, you know, uh, you know, brake locks and kickstarters and gears and fluid heads, and, and it's like, nah, just kinda leave it in here, but give us a, give us positive control on that tension. Give us an, a lock, and then an unlock with tension. We don't need it to be geared and notched and clicked and all that. We just want a positive lock where we know it's locked. And then if we're unlocked, those varying degrees of where it holds the rifle, you know, loose and heavy. In which it did do that, and yeah. that worked really well. Really well. So. And this tripod's going to fall in a really good place where price comes in. You can't afford the really expensive ones. You'll be able to get this tripod and easily at least compete with the higher end stuff. Yeah. Be able to enter the game and, and use the tripod, get used to using it. And then when, when you have the chance to jump to the big fancy ones, and that's what you I do. think the guys who are buying that kind of like little bit bigger Leah photo, I think it's going to come in right around the same price as that one. And that Leah photo I know is like just a right around eight pounds. And this one's more in the three or four pound zone where the really right stuff is like 2.8. So, you know, Where's that money going? Well, it's in a little bit of weight saving. It's that really right stuff's leading the field and doing all this stuff, you know, to the nth degree for shooters. This one's going to come in just under it. You're probably going to sacrifice a pound. You're probably going to sacrifice a few options, but at the same time, it's going to work out really well for everybody, and it's going to be, you know, something that's low cost. So that's what we're looking at. What else we got on there? Anything? We're coming through pretty good, man. I'm digging this. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what I kind of had wrote down. Yep, yep. Um, the class here has been fun. I really enjoyed it. Came from Iowa all the way out here for the class, and it's it's definitely been worth it. Um, come to a class, guys. You're going to learn so much. And even if you're more experienced, and you're still going to learn something from Frank. He's going to show you something different, a different way to do it, or correct your little stuff that you got going and, on. And, and I try to do that. If I see a guy who's a little bit better than, um, you know, others in the class I try to be a little bit more nitpicky with them and help them out with some things well one of the things I want to talk about real quick we got some time here your rifle what you did with your KRG 
that's a pretty, he, um, he modified it himself, did some machining work. He put in a rail system in the front. The back, he did a spacer system that's steel in the back. But he did a rail system in the front. Talk about that, what you saw. So I got, I got a Tika CTR 6.5 Creedmoor sitting in the KRG Bravo. And again, using the Bravo because it's a cost-effective option. And I wanted this rifle to be able to do two things with, shoot prairie dogs and shoot competitions with mostly. It's not going to be a hike-around type of rifle. And so I wanted to add some weight to it in order to slow some recoil down and be able to shoot all day with it. Um, so on the back end, we did the plates, three spacers for my length of pull. And on the front end, where KRG sells a spigot to put in there, and then it has a, like a Harris bipod connection to it or something, puts that spigot out a little way to get your bipod out a little further. Well, I used that same, that same travel area for that spigot and made a steel bar go all the way back, all the way to the magwell, and then stick out the front of the gun like a spigot. And on the end of that spigot, I added a three and a half pound steel weight. Mm -hmm. And on the bottom of that weight supports an extended ARCA rail as well. Yep. So now I can push my bipod out a lot further, get more stability out of that, especially in prone. And I've added the weight. Um, and everything I've done with it, I've made it so in about 15 minutes, I can strip all that weight off the gun and go back to the 12 and a half pound rifle that it would be. So it's 12 and a half pounds with no weight on it. When I add all the weight, I get up to a 19 and a half to 20 pounds, which I think is a comfortable zone for a 6.5 Creed, you know, you should be able to handle that, spot all your misses. If you're doing fundamentals correctly, you'll spot everything, you know, even at 200 yards, 300 yards, you're going to see where your impacts are at and be able to make corrections Yeah, he's been it. shooting really well with it. And when I saw it, I really liked it. And then when I realized he's telling me about this going all the way back in the channel to create that rigidity, I was like, holy cow, light bulb, and didn't realize inside that Bravo. I mean, the KRG Bravo is an outstanding stock chassis for people who want to replace the factory stuff without breaking the bank and spending a lot of money and the fact that you know you got guys hacking this stuff and showing you where you're, where you can do you know this channel system and utilize it, it it's just like light bulbs go off and we had mentioned with the arca rail stuff that if you extend those arca rails beyond the stock and the support where if your arca rail is out there an inch or so forward of your stock we're seeing flex we're seeing movement. It's bouncing. We're seeing a vertical spread appear. He's eliminated that because he's now supporting that forward with his extension and his weight system. But he, like I said, he's created a rigid system in the bipod holding support part of the rifle. So it's definitely has benefits, and I think we're seeing it at distance because he's shooting fantastic with the damn thing. I mean, Teak is a great platform to begin with. You put it in a KRG, you've increased its abilities, and now with this small modification, he's increased it yet again. So I think that's a fantastic way of doing it. And that whole rifle was built on what Frank said to get. I'm gonna say it, Frank, you told me to buy all that crap. I, I, yeah, I mean, he, he I, I'm the, a Tika fan. The, I, the, I do love Tikas. The Tika was good. You reviewed the KRG Bravo, you enjoyed that. I got a Vortex AMG on top, you enjoyed that. Yep. And when I put that whole system together, it's pretty tough to beat for an entry level type of thing. I think the only thing that might go in that same ballpark is is probably the the GA precisions that you guys put and together. And then you're using a SkyPod. And using a SkyPod. Yep. So in my rifle, I went expensive on the accessories and inexpensive in the rifle and the chassis because those accessories or something can always move up with me. If I decide to go get an AI, they go with me. Yeah. You know, so that was my Method of the madness to try the, to get in the game. and This is the thing that, I got flies everywhere, I'm swatting them. The, uh, this is the thing that drives me nuts, is like guys will go 
in in like cheese on the bipod, you know, in, in cheese on some smaller stuff. And it's like, yeah, you can build a solid, you know, Tika KRG, not break the bank, but then buy really good bipod, buy really good rings and a good scope. Because as, you know, Ted's saying, that stuff can carry with you to better and other platforms. You're not going to lose money on that. But, you know, with the with the budget stuff, it, it still will perform. And especially when married to, like, you know, uh, the tacky ones we, we see all the time. Because up in Alaska, the, the previous year, Mark was specking, you know, we did the uh, the, the Rugers. So we were, we're specking the Ruger RPR to everybody. Then we're taking them apart. We're putting Magpul stocks on them. We're putting Seekins front ends on them. Then Mark's going really right stuff, or uh, not really right stuff, but uh, elite iron bipods. Well, then he goes, well, okay, we're putting $2,400 into a Ruger. Let's spend $1,800 and get a Tika Tac A1 and then just put an Elite Iron on it. Same money, little bit better platform, okay? So now it's just an extension of that where it's putting those better accessories. We're seeing that the, the rifles are stepping up in meeting it because the Tikas are accurate as shit. Yeah. Real good. You know? Well, I went to the 130s in mine. Oh, yeah, they're, talk they're, about that. They're they're, that's 100. a good question. That's a good thing to well, bring. Well, I want to finish this up with something. Yeah. Accessories. I think people underestimate what they can do for you. Bipods and good scopes and good mounts. You can take, a, I hate to say it, a, a Factory Savage or Remington, put good accessories on it. You're going to shoot better than if you had the, the really low-end budget stuff. Yep. You're going to see that get better. And then once you can outshoot that rifle, if you can, then move up in rifle. You've got all the good stuff with it, and you're gonna you're gonna do a lot better. That's a real inexpensive way to even start way at the bottom. Uh, talk about the bullet choice that you came through, because yeah. I kind of was echoed in your head there too. Yeah. So, um, you know, I was shooting a six five Creedmoor, wanted to shoot the one forty ELDs. Is kind of where I wanted to be. And right. I, I had them. I shot the factory match from Hornaday. I reloaded some. I was always getting inch groups, maybe a shade under inch groups, a little bit bigger in inch groups. And then I decided to try the 130s. And I, I hand-loaded 10 of the 130s, because you can't buy them factory. I put them through that rifle, and in 10 rounds, had a, a less than an inch group on, on that very first time. And from there on, I knew immediately I'm going to 130s. That rifle ate them, it loved them, and it, it threw them like, uh, like uh, who's the Broncos quarterback then? Yeah, Elway, like an threw, L- yeah, or, or Manning, threw, uh, yeah, Manning. Threw them like Manning, yeah, man, yeah. every time. Right where you wanted it, it, it puts them. At the end of yesterday, when we went back and re-zeroed, I mean, go ahead. You the end of yesterday talking. when I went back and re-zeroed, my very first shot took the red circle out of a shoot and see target. I wanted to quit right there and just be like, I'm sticking that on the fridge. One shot, dead center. It was so perfect. Yeah. And that's what the 130s would do in the rifle. I was able to also drive speed where I needed. The 140s and the Tika were driving slow. You know, running, running 1725, 1730, 1750. And when I went to the 130s, then I was able to jump up to the 1800, the 1850 for velocity, and that's what's helping a lot. Today it, it, at 17, at 1425, I'm pushing them hard enough because they're 130s and they're, they're working really well. If you go back to the old, um, there was a couple podcasts, I think in the 30s, I was talking about going to 123s when you can't get the yep. speed, the 130s, 136 CNRs, and dropping that weight down just a little bit because... Um, you know, some rifles just like that little lighter bullet, and I, I shoot the 130s all the time because of Prime, but it don't be afraid. Don't just default to the heaviest bullet that's out there. 
because somebody's saying the BC is so good. It, you have to balance speed plus the BC. And not every rifle out there gets the speed. I sound harsh when I talk about Tikas having a slow barrel, but they're accurate as shit. Some of the best groups we've ever seen from students have been with Tika rifles. Okay, well, you can modify that by going to a lighter bullet and bring the speed back up and you'll find the gun might like it better. And that's exactly what Ted's seeing with his Tika when he switched over to the 130. Yep. So, all right, man, let's kind of call this one good. Uh, I got my food showed up, I think, and we're ready for lunch. We appreciate you coming out. We appreciate you taking the class. Thanks for listening to the Everyday Sniper program. Um, thanks for all the comments. You guys are hammering the comments. Thanks to Ted, Jack Master on the hide. We're going to push this stuff up. You guys are going to be super impressed with this hard copy things. It's making it easier and easier to do by combining the wind speed, the weaponized math, and all these things together, and it's making it super easy. Go ahead, wrap it up, man. Lesson learned, always bring a shovel. Always bring a shovel. So, all right, guys, we'll talk to you soon. Wait, we got, I'm, I'm going to waste, I got to waste four seconds. I got to waste three seconds. I got to waste two seconds. One second. All right, now I, I crossed the 37. I'm out.